The Diaspora podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land and the First Nations and the elders past, present and emerging. Good morning. My name is Akashika Mohola and I am your host today for the Diaspora podcast with Gandhi Salt March on Gandhi Jayanti, 2nd of October 2023. Today I am with two distinguished guests, awesome leaders who are here with me talking about the Gandhian principles in today's era, implementing the Satyagraha and the non-violence uh, principles of Gandhi. So joining me today are Mr. Jim Varghis AM, Chairman for Gandhi Salt March Limited, and also patron for Puya Foundation at the Lockhart River. And joining him is Craig Jones, CEO for Gandhi Salt March and Deputy Chair for the Puya Foundation at the Lockhart uh, River for the Indigenous People. Welcome. In today's episode, we have the privilege of introducing two remarkable individuals who are dedicated Australian leaders carrying forward the legacy of Mahatma Gandhi. We delve into a compelling discussion on the relevance of Satyagraha in this era, the role of non-violent resistance in promoting indigenous rights, and the significance of Gandhi's principles in contemporary Australia. Mahatma Gandhi, the father of Indian nation, left an indelible mark on the world with his philosophy of non-violence, satyagraha, and social justice. We are very fortunate to have these two leaders amongst us who continue to walk in his footsteps and strive to create positive change in their respective spheres of influence. Let's get ready to be inspired, uplifted and motivated by their stories of compassion, resilience and unwavering commitment to the principles of Mahatma Gandhi in Australia. So Jim, please inspire us and educate us with the understanding of Satyagraha and its relevance today. Well, I think the first important thing is to understand the origins of Satyagraha. And the term originated in a competition, would you believe, in the news sheet from the Indian Opinion in South Africa in, in, the, in 1906. So there are two words, Satya, meaning truth, and Agraha, meaning polite, insistent, or holding firmly to. And Satya is derived from the word Sat, which means being. So Gandhi devised the technique of Satyagraha for the specific purpose of solving conflicts through the means of nonviolence. It was Gandhi's conviction that violence would aggravate the conflict out of all proportion. Therefore, nonviolence was an alternative to violence in resolving conflict. The concept of Satyagraha has built on three tenets, Satya, Hamisha, and Tapasya. So Satya, or truth implies openness, honesty, and fairness. Amisha means refusal to inflict injury on others, and tapasya conveys willingness for self-sacrifice and patience. So satyagraha was a novel method of mass agitation which stressed the principles of truth, tolerance, nonviolence, and peaceful protests. 
Satyagraha supported that for true causes and struggles against injustice, physical force is not required to fight with the oppressor. That gives you a bit of context to what Satyagraha means. It is, it is important to, to see a difference between civil disobedience and Satyagraha. So Satya, civil disobedience is a branch of Satyagraha. That's one way of looking at it. All Satyagrahas can never be civil disobedience, whereas all cases of civil disobedience are cases of Satyagraha. Gandhi said its root meaning is holding on to truth, hence truth force. I've called it love force or soul force. Oh, that's lovely. Okay. So with Satyagraha, Mahatma Gandhi ushered in a new era of civilian resistance on the political scenario of the world. The word was coined to aptly define the mode of non-violence resistance that the Indians at South Africa were building against the oppressive, oppressive British colonialists. So what does it mean? And this is the relevance to Gandhi's Salt March Company. Gandhi leading the famous 1930 Salt March, a notable example of Satyagraha. The term Satyagraha was coined and developed by Mahatma Gandhi from 1869 to 1949, who practiced Satyagraha in the Indian independence movement and also during his earlier struggles in South Africa for Indian rights. So what are the five lessons that you can learn from Gandhi? One, nonviolence. Nonviolence is the greatest force at disposal of mankind. They're the words of the man himself, and this tells us why we should follow the path of nonviolence. The second path is truth and honesty. The third is forgiveness, the fourth is perseverance, and the fifth is mindfulness, which, which relates to spirituality. So according to the political te- teachings of Gandhi, Satyagraha is the perpetual law against anything repugnant to the soul. Even if alone, a man of truth and conscience will resist the laws and commands issued by a representative legislator if they go against the highest level of Atman, which is the ultimate court. So having said that, the other question you're asking is, what are the criticisms of Satyagraha? Absolutely. Right? Critics of Satyagraha, both in Gandhi's time and subsequently, have argued that it's unrealistic and incapable of universal success since it relies upon a higher, a much higher standard of ethical conduct in the opponent, the representative of evil, and demands an unrealistically strong level of commitment from those struggling for making it happen. So we can say, therefore, that Satyagraha teaches us not only the art of living, but dying also. So if Satyagraha is adopted, there could be no violence against each other because Gandhi believes in the non-violence is always better and superior to violence. So having said that, what are the effects of Satyagraha? Well, the movement had three effects. It pushed Indian freedom struggle in the limelight in Western media, which you've seen. It brought lots of people, including women in depressed classes, directly in touch with the freedom movement. And it showed the power of the non-violent Satyagraha as a tool in fighting imperialism. That's very important when you look at the history of India and the world. So some of the examples are Gandhi refusing to testify in court after he was assaulted by a white policeman in South Africa. He refused to testify because that went against the principles of Satyagraha. Right? The Salt March of 1930, led by Mahatma Gandhi, the Montgomery boycotts of 1955 to 1966 during the civil rights movement. Right? So what does that say about active resistance? Gandhiji meant about Satyagraha being active resistance was that it required a lot of soul force activity 
It involves a very great sacrifices to be made, which can be done only by strong-willed persons. It requires resistance to oppression without using any force. So that, I think, is a reasonable kind of summary of it. But if you look at two principles of Satyagraha, there'd be insistence on the truth, holding on to the truth, dependence on the force inherent in the truth. But Gandhi did admit he made mistakes. Right? And one mistake that Gandhiji admitted was that he, he committed a Himalayan blunder by offering the weapon of Satyagraha to people insufficiently trained in the discipline of nonviolence. Gandhiji was overwhelmed by the atmosphere of total violence and withdrew the movement, and this is important, on April the 18th, 1990. So what are the disadvantages of the Satyagraha movement, looking at it in a broader context? Repression and violence, despite its non-violence nature, the Satyagraha movement often faced repression and violence from the authorities. There was slow progress, there's lack of unity and divisions. So Khandi Gandhiji, without seeking vengeance or being aggressive, a satyagrahi, we would call them, mm-hmm. myself, that could win the battle through non-violence. And this could be done by appealing to the conscience of the oppressor. So what is the opposite of satyagraha if that is the case? It's a breach of satyagraha to wish ill to an opponent or to say a harsh word to him or her with the intention of harming him or her. Satyagraha is gentle. It never wounds. It must not be the result of anger or malice. It is never fussy, never impatient, never vociferous. It is the direct opposite of compulsion. So in simple words, what does Satyagraha mean? It means clinging to the truth, holding fast to truth, insistent upon truth, or firm adherence to truth, come what may. Gandhiji described Satyagraha as firmness in a good cause. In Indian opinion... In young India, he pointed out that Satyagraha was just a new name for the law of self-suffering. So if I asked to look at some three rules of Gandhi, you can use the three monkeys here. <laughs> <laughs> the three rules of Gandhi. Uh, three wise monkeys representing the principle of see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And right. there's a fourth one as well these days, you know, the mobile phone, <laughs> who died, stuck to the digital uh, media all the time, please. Exactly. Yeah. So Gandhi was, of course, born a Hindu, um, but it's quite important to note that his interpretation of Hinduism was his own. So while keeping firm roots in ancient Hinduism, he welcomed contact with other religions, especially the Christian doctrines, Jesus of Nazareth, teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. So all his life, Gandhiji devoted himself to the practice of truth, which is satyagraha, non-violence, ahimsa, compassion and kindness. And latest research from the sciences of learning indicates that these principles are embodied by a young, will help us address the, the pressing challenges the world is facing today. So if asked to think of what are the most important lessons that we can take from this interview, I would say non-violence, that it's the greatest force at the disposal of mankind. These are the words of the man himself, and this tells us why we should follow the path of nonviolence. Truth and honesty, forgiveness, perseverance, and mindfulness. So that thing gives you a... That's, that's really intriguing, on. especially yeah. in the times we are in. We've got war on yeah. uh, in Europe. Yeah. We've got climate change, climate yeah. crisis yeah. across yeah. the world. We have a referendum also coming yeah. up for The Voice in Australia. So, Jim, through Gandhi's principles in 
Let's come back to the our contemporary Australia and through your leadership in politics, mm. business, academia and communities, how do you think Gandhian principles will embed for the prosperous uh, uh, and and advancement of Australia further as we deal with all the other scenarios surrounding our ocean, air, and land as well. Well, I think there's a very relevant messages there to look at the um, at the connectivity, for example, of all universal beliefs and religion, that is religious and non-religious. And I think we're at a point in time where the use of artificial intelligence can be positive, not negative in that will bring together the points of commonality with humankind. So when we look at Australia, for example, there's a greater awareness of the environment and the impact of the environment and what's happening there. Um, there's, there's also a, a great possibility where you could actually experience what it's like to put yourself in somebody else's shoes who has a different view from you have and being able to move forward. So I, I actually think we're only limited by individuals wanting to move forward rather than getting stuck in a particular belief system that may be intolerant of other beliefs. So we are lucky in Australia in that we are a, uh, a very diverse community. Um, we've got a lot of different ethnic backgrounds and I think we have a rare opportunity here to follow the Gandhian principles and make it happen. Now, with, uh, as we are approaching The Voice, for example, I support the voice, and supporting the voice is, is not a is a, it's a strong statement to make. I support the voice because I am the male patron of the Puya Foundation, the Indigenous um, Foundation in in Lockhart Rue in North Queensland. But I do so on the Gandhian basis of respecting the views of those who do not support the voice, and I think that's very very important. That this is a referendum in a democratic society, and the Gandhian principles actually are very applicable here. Because the last thing we want is regardless of the result of the referendum, we don't want uh, an offshoot of bitterness, hate, distrust, instead of peace and harmony that will help Indigenous Australia. In simple words, uh, Jim, for our listeners today, would you please explain what having the voice in Parliament would mean? Because there are multiple theories running around, you know, uh, so please... Well, I think having the, the, the voice in Parliament is recognition that the First Nations people are for the first time recognised in the Constitution, right? Now, once that is recognised, there's a whole history going from the treaty to a whole range of things that, that come into being. And uh, I think it is one of the um, disappointments that um, we couldn't get a greater bipartisan support for this. And um, I believe that it's a very rare opportunity that all Australians have to recognise that First Nations people uh, have this great opportunity with this referendum to be recognised in our constitution. So just to give you a historical example of that, when New Zealand mm -hmm. was colonised by the British, they followed the British constitution and actually acknowledged the rights of the Indigenous people in New Zealand, the Maoris. When Britain and, and colonised New Zealand, yes. in accordance with the British Constitution, they recognised the rights of Indigenous people in, in, in uh, New Zealand, mm -hmm. and of that, of course, of the Maoris, and that's recognised to this day. We did not do that in Australia, and the first time we became aware of that was when the Mabo decision was made. And the Mabo decision recognised 
the first time the rights of First Nations people. That is a very important decision, the Marwa decision. Absolutely. And so when you look at it in this historical context, it is important to recognize the First Nations voice in our constitution. And I think it would, uh, if it's passed, I think it would be a great healer within, our, within Australia. Despite the diversity of the First Nations peoples across Australia, um, I think the, the yes vote and the, and the constitutional recognition gives the ability to involve mm-hmm. all of the indigenous, diverse indigenous communities right through regional Australia and in the capital cities and elsewhere. And I think it's a very important initiative. If it's not passed, I think it will actually slow down mm. the, the betterment of First Nations people in Australia. Particularly in the world that we are in, I mean, if you, if you look at India, India has an Indigenous woman president. Yes. Um, uh, and uh, talking about colonialism then and imperialism, uh, in your words, let's take a, take a last question, which is... Uh, Emperorism. So we are also in the world of emperorism. There is an emperor who wants to have an authoritarian regime. How do you think Satyagraha and the and the principles of non-violence can be uh, used to ascertain a peaceful world? Please. Well, I think the principles of Satyagraha that yeah. that I mentioned in some detail is very applicable for that. Sure. Um, probably even more so in the twenty first century because we have technology now and as we speak artificial intelligence is increasing at a at an exponential rate and even to the point where i may be able to communicate with you three-dimensionally in the very near future which think about that across the world now think about the fact that history has always been changed by individuals driven to make a passionate difference yes in china <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi, uh, right across Martin Luther King, uh, right look through the whole history of the world, there's been changes. Christianity, with yes. Jesus of Nazareth and 12 apostles, they completely changed the history of the world. That's why we've got AD and BC. Of course, <laughs> of course. So when you look at it, um, driven by, these, by, by the spirituality of the message of uh, Mahatma Gandhi, and it's a broad appeal, if it energizes people so they no longer fear death, mm-hmm. uh, then the world will change. It'll change because that is the way we are. Uh, we should always remember that uh, we don't live forever. The day we're born is also the day we are going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so while we're on this planet, we should be inspired by Hatma Gandhi and others to make a difference, to have a better humanity and 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 help those in need. So the message of Mahatma Gandhi is more relevant today than ever before. So as we are talking about Jim Vaghi's leadership in politics, business and academia, we are also analyzing the influence of Gandhi's principles in Australia across diverse and multicultural society. We are discussing the role of nonviolence as a tool to resolve conflicts, uh, fostering dialogue in Australian communities, and uh, the application of Gandhian principles in modern-day activism, politics, and social movements. So over to you, Jim. So I'd like to really encourage everyone to let the message of Mahatma Gandhi evoke and inspire our leaders at all levels of society. 
to bring out the universal messages of love and inclusiveness that are powerfully present in some of the most sacred texts of Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, Islam and other religions. Let us say yes to embracing all secular and non-secular beliefs that encourage us to walk the talk of becoming an inclusive society. Let us say no to hypocrisy, violence, domestic violence, discrimination, racial and religious intolerance. As the latest reggae musician Bob Marley sang, one love, one heart, let's get together and feel all right. So with the spectre of global terrorism and blind religious intolerance, it is encouraging and inspiring to remember these words of Mahatma Gandhi. You must not lose faith in humanity. Humanity is like an ocean. If a few drops of the ocean are dirty, the ocean does not become dirty. That's profound. Thank you so much, Jib. In a gentle way, we will shake the world. Wishing you a happy Gandhi Jayanti. Namaste. Thank you very much. Namaste. Welcome to the Diaspora Podcast, Craig. It's a delight to have you on the hot seat with us. Finally. <laughs> Thank you, Hakashika. Craig, you have been an ardent advocate for indigenous rights and people and uh, the non-violent resistance. You are a walking, talking legacy of Gandhian principles. Please share with us how the pertinent topic of the voice in Parliament in Australia is going to benefit from Gandhi's Satyagraha and non-violent movement. Perhaps I can start with the idea that non-violent resistance is a common human strategy. So Gandhi put into simple principles and then famously applied it in the situation of India. But um, well before him mm-hmm. and well after him, people have applied non-violent principles. Um, what I like about Gandhi's work was that he was able to take what are essentially Indian cultural principles and create a universalism out of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm deeply interested in that space. There's a lot of talk about why cultures should be against each other, why black should verse white, why indigenous should verse verse the mainstream, etc. When I actually believe that a lot of people are deeply interested in how we might collaborate, cooperate, see one another. Um, So in terms of dealing with the problems, Gandhi outlaid a methodology. Uh, Back in the day, uh, 23rd of August 1966, Mm -hmm. Vincent Lingiari, the handful of sand person, um, uh, led a walk-off, which was non-violent resistance against the British, again, colonialist and capitalist approach to the management of country for cattle. Um, what I'm one of the things I, that tends to get left out of that history is that the police sergeant at um, Wave Hill mm-hmm. stood between the Aboriginal people and the um, pastoralists and effectively said, "Not on my watch." So it's not reserved for what you might call the left or the right. Someone in a uniform was also choosing. He was only one man. Everybody was armed. His voice carried authority and he was able to talk the situation down. And what that led to was um, an inquiry into land rights, Gough Whitlam pouring a handful of sand through Vincent Lingiari's hands, and ultimately the, the role of historical creation of native title, etc. in Australia. 
Lots of people like to think that um, land rights was a gift from the non-Indigenous to the Indigenous, but it was the result of a Gandhian non-violence. Um, the sitting at the health uh, building in Sydney in the 30s, the uh, other walk-off in 1949 in the Pilbara, the various, the tent embassy famously, you know, which people are more um, more interested in these days. I want to say 1976, but you know, sorry, <laughs> I might have to be corrected on that. Um, all of those things were according to Gandhi's Satagaira principle, which is um, reach out, uh, resist. Now, in amongst that, uh, lots of things that weren't um, uh, pleasant and um, were violent happened. But uh, it's important to note that the, that the great majority of it was non-violent resistant. Um, I guess there's one other element in that history that I want to mention. If you go to Canberra and go to the old Parliament House, you'll see the Magna Carta, um, another version of non-violent. Um, but you'll also see it beside it, the Bark Petition from the Yolnu people. Mm-hmm. Now, that was a, a proposition to the Australian Parliament um, that said, look, you need to recognise our lands, you need to recognise our culture. And when was that? 1963. Um, so that uh, submission was done with respect, uh, not aggression. All they were simply doing was what, what Ghani did, which was to sit and stand. Um, in the sense of the pun there, stand against what was an imposition on them and their lands um, and sitting in the sense of Gandhi um, um, sitting in his robes, say, for instance, with the Salt March or something like that. I want to say I, I need to remember the name. I've come across this thing recently, which I didn't, re- which I hadn't remembered in my Gandhian scholarship, um, and that was the name of the cloth that he we- that he wears, um, which I want to say sounds Kobe. cut. Thank you, um, which to me has has uh, led to a whole lot of thinking around weaving and and the, the met- you know the metaphor yeah. etc. All of that that stuff that Gandhi talked about how to weave an outcome, how you know the simple practice of of the hand loom and the spinning, all very lovely metaphors for the individual, the single person can make a difference to the uh, That's profound, Craig. So talking about all this, how, what do you think is the way forward? How do we evolve from where we are at? Uh, you know, what are the lessons we can learn from Gandhian principles for a better future in the context of reflecting on the enduring legacy of Gandhi, uh, identifying potential avenues for promoting satyagraha uh, and non-violent resistance in Australia? I think the, the yes vote, the referendum, is a chance to listen. Um, there's a lot of conversation about voices and telling and there's a lot of telling going on and I hesitate to say there's not much listening going on, mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic given the, 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 the basic underlying principle that's, that's being discussed. Um, and so I think while the referendum's important in creating uh, a constitutional recognition, 
and then an opportunity to create a body that will rec- that will uh, help rectify some some really important issues in indigenous society, the gap, etc. I think Gandhi's point was you don't need um, you can you can listen yourself, you can be centered, and that will create the momentum towards change. And that important act of listening, uh, even to the aggressor, um, was, I think, Gandhi's lesson. This embracing uh, the use of the word ahimsa, the the, the embracing the yeah. embracing of the um, of the opposition, uh, and trying to understand that position, but also not stepping away from your own. The two positions can exist at once. Um, and ultimately, yes or no, I read somewhere yesterday, there's going to have to be something happening afterwards. To me, that therefore listening is inevitable. Yes, yes, we need to make, we need to act on what, what it is we voted for or no. That still leaves a gap that we need to fill and it seems to me that listening is perhaps the most important way of filling that gap. So on a closing note, Craig, we have the voice to the parliament in Australia. And then we also have voices in the parliament in many other democracies across the world. How can you differentiate and perhaps try to bring in, bring in some of those uh, positive aspects into Australia? Please share with us and our listeners today. I think Australia is an impressive democracy. There's very limited violence in our society. It's not been an element that we have necessarily had to deal with uh, in terms of of political uh, fights. Um, And many people, many immigrant cultures have embraced that. I note that the Northern Irish in immigrating to Australia chose not to bring the troubles with them. They had to embrace one another. The... Vietnamese nationalist and and um, communist after the Vietnam War came to Australia and found an accommodation and prosperity. The the um, the immigrant Greek and Italians who were left of centre learnt to accommodate the right of centre, um, and I think that's our tradition here in Australia. So we. Uh, absorb other cultures and um, seek to look for the best in them and then I believe that many of us step forward in that regard. Um, The uh, Sikh man with the turban who goes around in the truck, he's now promoting the the yes vote and uh, he was Australian, one of the Australian of the Year uh, nominees. Um, His work's great. I um, that's the kind of thing Australians do. Thank you so much for being here today. And on behalf of Gandhi Salt March, from all of us to you, happy Gandhi Jayanti. <laughs> Namaste. We sincerely hope that our conversation with the chairman and CEO of Gandhi Salt March Foundation has shed light on the relevance of Satyagraha in today's world, the role of non-violent resistance in promoting indigenous rights and the significance of Gandhi's principles in contemporary Australia. Remember, 
each of us has the power to make a difference and create a more just and compassionate society. Stay tuned for more inspiring conversations on the Diaspora Podcast. Namaste. Namaste.